Rosie and Bill Show wish to thank our primary sponsors, The Mallon Agency, located in Springfield, PA, where they take pride in exceeding expectations every time. The Roselli Agency. Brian and his team of insurance professionals have been serving the needs of Chester County for more than two decades. Anthony DiCecco and our friends at Tennis Addiction are ready to serve all your tennis needs at their beautiful facility in Exton, PA. I love the people of Ohio, you know, but like the Buckeye fans, <laughs> I don't. Like, like they're, they're just, they're, 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 you know, they're, they're obnoxious. I mean, anytime you're in a room and you say anything about sports, half the people go, oh, H. See, see, I O. See, see, it takes two of these idiots to spell their state. Welcome everyone to the Rosie and Bill Show. If you could use a laugh or a smile to brighten your day, our guest this week is just what the doctor ordered. From BET to CMT, Sirius XM to Last Comic Standing, his brand of comedy appeals to audiences everywhere. Please welcome to the Rosie and Bill Show a man who was once a pretty big deal in the peanut butter game and one of the flat out funniest comedians in the business today, Greg Warren. Greg, welcome to the show. Hey guys, thanks for having me on, man. Good to be here. Yeah, we're really excited to have you on, Greg. You're hilarious. And Thank you. Before, before we get to your successful run in the peanut butter game, we'll get yeah. to that, you know, in a gif. Um, we want to <laughs> give me back to you as a young man growing up in St. Louis, and I do apologize for those puns. <laughs> anyway, what was it like? you know, splitting your time between wrestling and playing the clarinet in high school band? Well, I, th it was good. I, uh, I took a lot of, uh, the guys made fun of me quite a bit on the wrestling team. Um, and <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's funny. Like they say, like, um, I, I was good at the clarinet. I was probably better at wrestling. Uh, I think I quit the uh, clarinet, my, my senior year, I didn't do clarinet because I wanted to write for the school paper and it was like offered during this, the one period. So I had to pick, uh, and, um, I don't know, like my mom was really all about musical instruments and you think growing up, it's like, well, she's just, what is she, why is she so into music? It's no, it's has something to do with like brain development. I guess if, if there's something, uh, my inability to form a sentence right now would not indicate that, uh, <laughs> that I really, my brain did develop, but yeah, there's something to do with that. I, I, have you guys heard about this? Like, yeah, I, I guess playing reading music and, uh, pressing the keys and all that, uh, supposedly really, really helps you develop. So. So when you were in high school wrestling, yeah. Did you ever use your comic ability to unseat your opponents in any way? Uh, no, no, it was, uh, I was very, very, uh, serious, um, when it came to wrestling. Yeah. I think I used, I definitely remember using, like I wrestled in college and it was, it was very serious and it was stressful. And I remember using humor a lot to sort of like deal with the, you know, we'd just be, we'd be on, on, I think we'd be in a car or on a bus or something going to practice and it's just like this impending doom. College wrestling is brutal. You're just like, this is going to be the worst hour and a half of my life. And you, like, it was just like a, it was not fun. 
Um, so I remember just trying to make everybody laugh or make myself laugh, just something to distract you from the fact that you're about to get your head beat in and uh, be exhausted. Uh, so yeah, I'm trying to think so one time my buddy Chip Bonner and I were in the training room at university of Missouri. And, uh, there was this heavyweight on the team, Bobby Henderson. He was like, I don't know, he's about two, 300 pounds. And, uh, we thought it'd be funny to order like Domino's to the wrestling room to practice. So we called Domino's and we ordered a pizza for, uh, for Bobby Henderson and we forgot about it. You know, we didn't think they'd do it. And we were like in the middle of practice and the Domino's dude just walked into the practice room with a pizza. And then he's like, I have a pizza here, sir. <laughs> I have a pizza. Like our coach is like, what are you doing here? He's like, I have a pizza, sir. He's like, who's it for? He's like, uh, Henderson, sir. And he points at Henderson. He goes, does he look like he needs a pizza? Get out of my wrestling room. <laughs> threw him out. It was, yeah, it was glorious, man. It was, it was, it was great. So you totally threw Bobby Henderson under the bus. Did he oh, completely. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Uh, I think I didn't say anything about that until my senior year coming home from the national tournament, my career was over and me and uh, Roper were in the van or something. Or, and he's like, the, that was our coach. He's like, Warren, that was you that ordered that pizza was. <laughs> I was like, I, I don't know what you're talking about, coach. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We definitely, uh, we threw Henderson under the bus. Yeah. We, yeah. We were always doing like crazy stuff like that before practice, J just anything to distract yourself from the fact that you're about to go to wrestling practice, which was, unpleasant uh, and yet like you that. did it four years i did yeah yeah it was kind of my life yeah wrestling was a it was a big part of my life my dad was a coach and uh yeah yeah i liked it yeah it was i mean on the mat though it was, it was yeah it was a very serious you're just too exhausted and too tired uh to really like goof around in a wrestling match yeah now back to uh, the college situation. So how would you say, Greg, you just shared some of those experiences from your college wrestling, but how did your overall college experience help shape you as a young man and as a future comedian? Uh, you know, that's a really good question. Uh, I was a journalism major. I went to Missouri and they had a really good journalism school. I was like in the advertising part of it. Um, so I think in some, you know, in some ways I think you, it probably helped learning to communicate effectively. I do remember uh, we had to do like a, I, I, we had to do like a, an ad campaign and mine was on jello. And I remember like, just, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do here. And I just was like trying to make the, I made the class laugh and I made the professor laugh and I got a good grade for it. Yeah. I also, I remember my friend, buddy Smith on the wrestling team. Um, so buddy, and I were real tight. And so we, you know, I did this ad campaign on uh, Jello and I did, you know, I did up the whole campaign, but you had to have like storyboards for the different parts of the TV commercial. And you were allowed to get somebody else to draw for you. If you couldn't, I'm, you know, I'm a terrible artist. My friend, buddy's a really talented artist and, uh, and buddy's buddy's black. Uh, and I was like, Hey man, uh, can you do these, these storyboards for me, do pictures. And, uh, so I dropped them off and I picked them up like right before class and I looked at them and they were great, but it was just everybody in every one of my jello commercials was black. And I like, I, I, was, I saw him, like I saw him last weekend and I was like, why'd you do that? He's like, I don't know, man. I thought it'd be funny. So I like, 
I didn't like explain like why nobody asked me questions. Cause what were they going to say about it? You know, I was going to be defensive. I was like, what black people don't eat jello. But, but, but like he, it was so funny, man. The way he drew him too. It was like, I don't know. It was very, it was very, very funny the way he drew these guys. Yeah. So, and I, I'm like, I, I didn't, I, it was too late to change it. Uh, but yeah. What um, difference does it make anyway, right? It could have been a commercial with completely, completely. Yeah. It just was an interesting choice for me, who's about <laughs> the whitest guy that you know. Uh, and it wasn't like they were doing anything. Like these guys were playing racquetball, and Buddy's got them like looking like, like not like racquetball players. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, um, yeah. He he had him like a couple of them like ceremonial uh, African. Uh, dress and stuff like that playing racquetball and uh and I, but uh like what's the professor gonna say i you know I, like <laughs> he can't say anything about it so i did get an a on on that project um but yeah that was uh i mean i ran into buddy came to a show like literally saturday night i haven't seen him that many times and that guy it's funny some of the characters like in in wrestling buddy's about the funniest person i know and i know almost every comedian in the country uh yeah so yeah man i i think you know i think the experiences shape you you, you do there's a work ethic in wrestling um uh you know and there's sort of this thing about like you kind of you have to be sort of a self-starter and you have to sort of oh I don't know. You sort of face impending doom every day. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's also, you lose sometimes. Uh, I was good, but I, you know, you lose sometimes and you have to deal with that and uh, show business. Uh, there's a lot of ups and downs. There's definitely, you know, I've taken some losses, some very public losses. So, uh, I think it did, you know, sort of help me learn that. And it also sort of helped me, you know, it's, it seems obvious, but it's like, when I was a kid, I was pretty good at wrestling, right? You know, my dad was a coach. I was like, when I was like eight and 10, I was beating almost everybody just because, I don't know, I just had an aptitude for it. My dad was a coach. Then I got to high school and I lost a little bit. And uh, I started realizing like, oh, there's this relationship between working hard and winning, like, like which is, seems like, oh yeah, obviously. But there is a point, I think, in every kid's life when they sort of, come up against their own limitations and then they realize, Oh, you, you put effort into this thing and it works. And comedy is like that. The tricky thing about comedy is like it uh, it's never on the timing that you want. Like, I, you know, I always say like, okay, you know, write for three days, you'll get nothing right for 60 days. All kinds of things will happen. Mm -hmm. uh, That's definitely a, a discipline and a dedication. Well, but I don't want to go so far as to say that not, not compared to probably everybody else that's like, like I, I always say like discipline, but then they're like, yeah, let's, let's look at what you did today, Greg. Uh, that doesn't look a whole lot like discipline. Uh, but I, I do pretty often. I do, uh, uh, try to, you know, I've got a million, like, uh, let's see where we got. Yeah. There's about 80 billion little pieces of paper like this around my house with, uh, you know, notes with, I can explain, I would guess that none of this is funny, but uh, uh, eventually you find something, right? Well, you know, it's interesting that you that you just showed that paper because I find that if I have to do something creative, I prefer pen and paper 
Oh yeah, yeah. Typing the computer. There is something about that that I feel it's more stifling to try and write funny things on a computer. Yeah. Have you ever read The Artist's Way? Yes. Yeah. So that and and her thing is like pen to paper, cursive journaling in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, the three to five pages or whatever, and just get morning get, pages. Yeah, morning pages. Yeah, <laughs> I would say that, that is, you know, I don't do it every morning, but I did it this morning, and I started doing it in like, you know, nineteen ninety nine or something or two thousand one. So like that has been a pretty big part of of my writing process. You know, and normally you get nothing, but I, you know, I, and I'm not the most spiritual person in the world, but I do think like if if you if you do that, like you, you let yourself, you leave yourself open for the, those weird things when, you know, I don't know. I was half asleep yesterday listening to a set and I was like, I I just figured out how to do that. Like, you know, like a little, you know, I think you, I think if you do what you're supposed to in the morning, you'll get some of those like divine intervention moments in the afternoon where you're like, Oh my God, I just figured that out. Or, you know, it just hit me when I was getting in the shower on the way I can make that joke 10 times better. Well, they say we're most open to inspiration when we're relaxed and not thinking, when we're yeah. just open and receptive. And if you, you know, that that's a perfect example of it. When you you talk in your act about your job at Procter and Gamble, and yeah, 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 and it's ver- great stuff. Oh, thanks, thank when you. When did you really? I mean, was there really, in truth, that? Um, kind of struggle for you to, should I take the job? Should I not? Like what brought you to that career? And uh, butter. How did you cowardice, get I think. Uh, <laughs> well, I do remember like I got out of college. I was in grad school, but it was there mostly to, I had a year of eligibility left in wrestling and I was, I don't know, I wasn't taking it seriously. So I got done with wrestling and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to, I'm done. And I thought I went to Chicago and I was going to do comedy back then. This was when I was, I don't know, uh, 21 years old, 22 years old. And I just, I don't know. I couldn't handle it. I also, this girl broke up with me. Uh, yeah. Like this, uh, yeah, this girl that I was, uh, very in love with. Uh, so I was like lost and I, there was no structure and I had had that structure of wrestling since I was five. And, and I, and I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing here. I can't do this. Like I'm going to go in a bad way. So I was, I was only up there for like a couple of weeks and I moved back home and I started looking for a job and I got the job at Procter and Gamble. Um, and I was doing comedy like eh, on and off that whole time while I was working at P and G and I was trying at the end, I was still I was such a coward. I was still scared. Like, cause I was doing well, I was making, you know, a lot of money and um, I was yeah, I, I don't know. I had like all these stock options and stuff. And I was like, I can't leave this. I have to do both. I, I was trying to straddle. I was trying to get them to transfer me to New York or LA. So I felt like I could do comedy in LA and do you know, And then I kind of, and then I was like, no, you got to take a leap here. You just, you just got to do it. It makes no sense. This is probably not going to work out. I'll probably be selling some consumer product to grocery stores in two years. Uh, but let's just do it. And, you know, that was 2001 and I haven't had to uh, sell wow. anything since. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. And it was, uh, I've tried, you know, it's, um, thanks for watching that. Cause I've tried 50 times to figure out what's funny about my experience at Procter and Gamble. And I, did, I, I never really could quite find it. And then over the pandemic, I started screwing around with like, 
because I like I know all this stuff about peanut butter and I am passionate about my products. Uh, did I dial it up a little bit for the, you know, for the effect? Yes. But I, that's sort of, you know, I, I think what's funny is you take truth and then you, you know, dial it up or, you know, certify it or whatever. But yeah, like, like I know all that weird stuff about peanut butter. I know that creamy outsells crunchy four to one. Now those are, you know, 2000 uh, or 1999 numbers, maybe, but, uh, uh, and, I and was the guys get off work earlier too, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There you go. You did watch. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, like I, you know, and, and I was, I started and you couldn't during COVID, there was nowhere to do the jokes uh, for a long time. So I was like, just, I still remember doing peanut butter jokes walking. I'm sure people thought I was insane. I was, I, I can remember like, doing some of that GIF material to myself. Cause I, cause there's no stage time during COVID. So I was like walking up this hill. Ah, look at that. That's a creamy baby. I believe that's a 40 ounce from what I can tell. It is a 28 ounce. 28. Oh my gosh. And yeah. this is not just bigger on zoom. This is yeah. not just a prop. This is half gone. Oh my God. Yeah. This look at that a man. Used product here. Yeah. Good for you. Good for you. Straight creamy. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, you're, you must be a choosy mom. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I don't, I used to have, we grew up with Skippy and my Ooh. sister came home from Georgia one day and she took out the Skippy. She's like, this is horrible. Yeah. And she bought Jif. And since then we've been a Jif family. Yeah. I mean, you and I are around the same age. I think you're a little younger. Um, what, what, you know, when did you grow up? When were you like uh, in uh, grade school in the in the 80s? I'm not going to answer that question. OK, well, whatever. <laughs> I, I'm trying to think of an era Like there was, you know, there was some abusive children back then. Um, and, you know, your mom's giving you Skippy and, mm. I, I, you know, and I'm, I'm not saying, you know, she didn't know any better. You know that she she didn't know any better. Probably. I'm not saying that your parent that your mother was a bad mother, no. but but I'm, I will say, you know, she didn't know any better is, is, is what I'll say, you know, and then thank God your sister uh, got out into the world and, uh, you know, found the truth. And you know what, more than anything, I, you know, like I, um, I admire your mom for admitting she was wrong. You know, a lot of people, <laughs> they'll, they'll double down on a, a garbage product like, uh, like Skippy or something. And Hey, listen, I don't know how you grew up either. You know, maybe, maybe times were tough and you had to buy Skippy. Like maybe, maybe that was what was going on. Yeah. I think uh, yeah. that was it. Yeah. Maybe that was it. You know, maybe, maybe your mom had, you know, three jobs and uh, 30 kids and that's why she's giving you Skippy. I, I don't know. Okay. There's a lot of, uh, you know, that's, there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, there was a lot of that going on uh, back then is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Definitely. There really was. And, and I, yeah, I, I couldn't even couldn't even afford peanut butter in my house growing up. So I guess I had it even rougher. But Greg, I have to tell you, uh, one of the things that I, I love most about just, just your whole everything you do is you take the the ordinary, uh, you know, it, when you look at like nurse titles, uh, health insurance companies, th things that anybody can relate to. And you just turn it into just the funniest things I've, I think I've ever seen. And it's just oh, thanks, buddy. Part of the magic of what you do is anyone can relate. Even those like me who barely could have peanut butter growing up 
can relate to how funny you are. And I just want to compliment you on that. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, and I applaud your parents. You know, I, I think it's better to just not have peanut butter, you know, than be like somebody like Rosie's mom and try to give you guys Skippy. Like, like you know, <laughs> you're, you're, it could have been a worse, it could have been a much worse uh, upbringing like Rosie had. It's better to just not have peanut butter. Is what I'm saying. You know, like you, yeah, when you, we had, yeah, like, you, you could have wanted like, like with some sort of store brand or. You yeah, know. that's what I was going to say. You know, like the white label with the black and red letters, you know, peanut butter. And it may not have even been spelled correctly. I'm not sure. But uh, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, yeah, that's uh, that's abuse. So, like right Frank, there. That's, are yeah. you ever afraid you're going to run out of jokes? Do you have have dreams? When I used to waitress, I would have dreams. I worked at a restaurant in New York City and we had a. a a restaurant in Times Square and a restaurant on the Upper West Side. And I would have oh, wow. that I had tables in both restaurants on the same night and I would be running down Broadway. Yeah, wow. So, do you ever have dreams that you're going to run out of jokes? Yeah, I mean, I you know, these, um, <laughs> that, that's not a, that doesn't need to happen in my dream. That's a <laughs> legitimate concern. <laughs> like, uh, you know, I just put out an hour and, uh, I got to find another one and I've done it a few times and it's interesting because, you know, I don't know. It takes, takes me three years, I think between specials to, to write an hour of comedy that I really, really think is worth putting on, on tape. Uh, so that, you know, that last year you're sort of doing a lot of polishing and you're taking concepts and seeing how far you can extend them. Maybe you have new things that come in here and there. But a, a lot of it is like, okay, I got this thing on peanut butter. Now let's write another 10 minutes on peanut butter. Or, you know, how can we make that more specific? How can we, uh, how can we, you know, short cut, trim the fad in this bit? Um, so, you you know, you put it out and then you're like, okay, no, I have to start from nothing. And it feels like it's like, this isn't even the same job that I was doing the last year. It doesn't even, it feels like separate jobs is to like, start a new hour and finish a new hour. It feels like, you know, I know they're both being a comedian, but to me, it's like, yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy. And I finally have gotten to a point where I'm like, okay, I can go up and do, you know, I can, I can do about 30 minutes that have not appeared on any special. Um, if you, uh, were somebody that's seen me over the years, you'll recognize some of it. You'd be like, ah, I've saw, I've seen him do that. Like, you know, like, yeah, I did, but I didn't, it didn't, it wasn't funny enough at the time to put on a special. So I got to retool it and it looks a little different. Um, and, and my sort of code is like, unless it's on tape, you know, unless it's on a special, uh, it's fair game for the next thing. Greg, I, I have to tell you one thing you just, as you were saying that I was thinking back to something that um, Craig Shoemaker told us when we had him on the show recently. And it was like, he said that when you go to see a singer or a band, you're going to see and hear their greatest hits. Yeah. So he uses a lot of the material today that he used 20 years ago. Now he'll sprinkle yeah. in some new stuff, but he said that's really what he thinks his fans want to come and see. So how do you feel about yeah. that? I think it's a healthy mix in 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 my mind. I think um for me personally, there's a million different ways to do it. You know, Craig's a really funny guy. Uh I think for me personally, if I don't write new material, I get, I get real stale and the job's not very much fun. That's the challenge for me now. You know, if you come see me, uh, in, in the next month, you'll see probably maybe a half an hour that's never been on a special and you'll see 
10 minutes from the salesman, the peanut butter special. And then you'll see 10 minutes from my field corn special. And you see 10, you know, 10 minutes from like, you'll see a little bit of stuff here and there uh, moved in. And I have a couple of jokes that like Craig's, you know, I have a couple of jokes where people just, that they, they feel like they, they should, they want to hear it, you know? Um, so I, I usually wind up closing with those. Uh, but I do think for me personally, like if, if I don't, if I don't innovate, if I don't come up with new stuff, I get, I don't know that something's broken. It's just, you know, it's, yeah, uh, well, why not? Right. Life is ever changing. There's always someone doing something stupid or something to comment on, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, if you've seen my show, a lot of times that's me that's doing the, something stupid, but <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, um, and that seems to be happening with more uh, frequency. <laughs> it's working. Actually, comedy shows. Obviously, you do a great job engaging your audience. Can you share with us what has been kind of the craziest experience you've had with an audience member or? a story, you know, something that really jumps out at you. There's so many crazy things that have happened to comedians on stage. My friend Ariel got a full beer thrown at her on stage. You know, I was down in Key West uh, not that long ago. And, and like this girl just, she just came up on stage. And like, and, you know, she was just, I was doing my act. And then she was just right there, you know, talking to me. And I'm just like, uh, all right, this is, yeah, this isn't how this thing goes. She was just really drunk. So when you, when you add alcohol, it's like, it's, it, it's not all that. Right. You know, you, you all, you all have drunk friends, you, you know, like it's, 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 there's not much they can do to, to really surprise me anymore. Uh, every now and then they'll say something funny. That's rare. Usually they'll shout out something and it's like, okay, that's, you know, stupid or whatever, but every now and then it'd be like, yeah. And then you'd be like, wait a minute, what did you say? <laughs> you know, like every now, <laughs> Every now and then that's happened like three or four times where I'm like, okay, I really need to remember that. I'm glad that I'm glad I'm recording this because you just wrote a punchline for me. Uh, it's rare, but it happens. Yeah, absolutely. So Greg, what can uh, your fans look forward to as far as the second half of the year in terms of tours, material, anything in the works? What do you got coming up? Yeah. I mean, I, I, like I said, I, I think I'm, uh, I think I, like I got a new half hour. That's pretty, pretty good and different. Um, so I'm really excited for people to see that and things really get going here uh, in the middle of August. I'm hitting, you know, I'm probably out working somewhere every week through next March, you know, so, uh, you know, there'll be a lot of, a lot of places for people to come, come see me hopefully. And uh, yeah, like I said, I, 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 I'm starting to have, starting to have some fun with this, uh, with this new material. Well, Greg, you're hilarious. We've had so much fun. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, I enjoyed talking to you guys. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah, you're a lot of fun. Yeah, I, and I enjoy folks, talking. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Uh, thanks. For, I don't know if you guys noticed the uh, pictures behind me. Can you yeah. see a, a theme there? I don't know. No, I don't know the theme. What's the theme? Uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a little hint. That's, uh, that's Warren Zevon behind me. Okay. Um, and that is uh, Warren G. Harding, the yeah. president. Is that Warren Moon. Oh, That's Warren, Warren Moon. Warren. Warren Sapp. Leslie Ann Warren. Uh, yeah, Chief <laughs> Justice <laughs> Earl Warren. Warren Haynes back there. Uh, Warren Beatty. Yeah, yeah. It's oh, the, nice. it's the wall of Warren. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a uh, movie poster from Warren Peace there too. Uh, 
Oh, I like that. I like that you yes. put that together. Very good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Greg, thank you again so much. And folks, thank you for tuning in. We're going to get going because I have some peanut butter to eat. Oh, yeah, man. Outstanding. Just right out of the jar, huh, Rosie? That's the best way. Yeah, you know, yeah. On a piece of melted toast is probably better. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, that's good. It'll stick up to the... Uh, <laughs> it'll hold up to the bread. I think if you get skippy at a certain temperature, I don't even know if it... Uh, yeah, I think I think the government says you're not allowed it to eat it. It explodes in the microwave to skip. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Well... <laughs> Thank you so much, Greg. Thank you, folks, for tuning in. We'll see you next week. This, like this, this wasn't my job, you know. I was in the peanut butter game. You, know? <laughs> you think that's funny, ma'am? I, I, I guess you've never heard a little thing called lunch. Like, I was part of that. Like, I, I sold Jif. I sold Jif peanut butter, right? Yeah. yeah. There's a reason why we're doing this special in Lexington, Kentucky. Jif is made here. Yeah. Jif is the best peanut butter, okay? It's the best peanut butter. It, 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 our motto was, choosy moms, choose Jif. Choosy moms, not all moms, okay? Let's say maybe your mom who drinks in the afternoon and goes to the casino and forgets to pick up your kids from school. If that's the case, by all means, buy Peter Pan, okay? That, that's <laughs>